0: Welcome to episode 21 of the Sports on Point podcast. I am your host, Matthew Smith. With Bob Williams.
1: And I'm the guy pressing the buttons, Pod Severance. Welcome. And now on to this week in sports. This is a section where we cover the top shared stories on the internet from every day of the past week and our hosts give a short comment on each of the days starting with last Wednesday, Kasim Osgood of the Jacksonville Jaguars jumps out a window to avoid an attack, Man,
0: Yeah, this is kind of a scary story, just kind of chilling at the apartment with his girlfriend and her ex comes in and confronts him with a gun. Um, not exactly the kind of story that uh, puts a bright smile on my face to start today.
2: Hooray, exciting Wednesday. Um, other than that, he just seems to be an uh, unfortunate bystander. You know, wrong place, wrong time.
1: It used to be Hump Wednesday. Now it's Jump Wednesday.
0: I will say the sad part of the story is the fact that Osgood's jumping out of the window while his girlfriend is downstairs confronting the guy with a laser-sided pistol.
1: I don't know about you, but doesn't it seem like NFL players used to have testosterone and would, like, confront people and stuff? Now it's like they don't want to... Freaking hell. A special, special player. nope. On the Thursday, the NFL is currently talking with Verizon to distribute programming on tablets. This is from Engadget, Bob.
2: Um, this is definitely something that is good for the NFL because they need their product out there. It's the best sports out there, so if they can get it into our hands any way possible, um, it, it's a win for them. Uh, now, hopefully, they can do the same thing with the uh, license for. Uh, NFL football and sporting, and let uh, 2K Sports back in.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. The uh, it's pretty cool the Verizon app on BlackBerry and Android phones. It's pretty pretty slick. I don't know if they're planning on doing a similar thing. Part of me thinks it's ironic that the NFL is working on new ways to distribute its programming to tablets when they can't even put the butts in the seats in their stadium and have them blackout game after game.
1: I just think it's a little weird that they're talking with Verizon, who's more of not really a hardware provider but the network provider, and so they're talking specifically tablets. That just seems a little bit weird.
0: Yeah, I think Verizon's coming up with the Samsung Android-based tablet line, um, and Verizon is currently the exclusive distributor of medical content for cell phones.
1: But they say sometime in 2011 for the Samsung tablet. On to Friday, New York Mets, to remove Jerry Manuel and GM Omar Minaya, sources say... Is from ESPN
0: New York, man. Well, when you when you've had the amount of time and the amount of money that these guys have had to build a winning team, and you've had such men, monumental letdowns that this Jets team, Mets team has had, uh, yeah, I, I'd have to say it's about time for these guys to go.
2: Yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner, especially in the Big Apple where they expect results. Um, both both of these guys have, you know, worked together really well but they haven't put a good product on, on the field.
0: That's how you know a Steinbrenner isn't in there. Uh, well
2: and on
1: Saturday, the Americans lead after the Ryder Cup's first session.
2: Wow. Um, we, we know what happens, uh, that they, they lose. Um, I think the biggest thing with the whole uh, format change is probably the biggest thing about the Ryder Cup this year is the fact that they they pretty much went halfway through it because of the rain acts the current format, the format that they've had for, you know, how many years, and they threw together something real quick. So I I don't think it really was a good decision um, for either team.
0: Yeah, I kind of... The Ryder Cup, for all its tradition and its luster and all that stuff, when you you see the Americans consistently get beat, it just kind of... Maybe I'm too much of a nationalist, but I can't really get into it.
1: Maybe it could be changed to the Winona Ryder Cup. Maybe. And then they could steal a victory. Maybe. That was horrible. On Sunday, the Oregon Ducks jumped Boise State Broncos in the AP Top 25, and Texas Longhorns out. Man.
0: Well, the Longhorns being out is just another sign that the preseason polls were ridiculously overrating both them and, of course, the Florida Gators who got completely smoked this week uh, but yeah I think it's about time Oregon has done nothing but put a beat down on every team they've played against so far including teams like Tennessee from the SEC uh, I definitely think that's more impressive at least in my mind than beating a lowly Oregon State team or a Virginia
2: Tech team that can't even knock off James Madison um, college football is all about what have you done for me lately um, they beat Top 10 Stanford this past week and convincingly sure they had a you know first-half problems uh, they sorted it out halftime and rolled I'm, I'm actually intrigued to see if they can continue it which I think they should be able to and it's gonna come down to what teams out of possibly the Big Ten the SEC or the Pac-10 that are going to be undefeated at the end of the year
1: on Monday Tiger Woods gives us the greatest golf photo you'll ever see. We'll actually put this in the metadata of the podcast and a link so you can take a look at this photo. We're going to bring it up here and get your guys' reactions. Bob.
2: This is crazy. When I first saw it, um, I had to actually read the entire article to make sure that it was in fact not photoshopped just because of the ball, um, the perspective, and the crazy guy with the cigar.
1: Now explain this. What are we seeing here? We've got Tiger Woods hitting from the rough. Tiger Woods is hitting from the
0: rough. There's a photographer off to the side He cuts the ball significantly and basically drives it right at the photographer's lens and he snaps the photo in perfect time. At first, when you look at this, it's somewhat terrifying, but you have to realize the lens that this photographer had probably has nine-inch radius on it and it's sticking out about two feet in front of his face, so he's not quite in the immediate danger that it seems. But absolutely, the winner of this this photograph has got to be this crazy cigar dude with the turban in the corner, He has been photoshopped into countless pictures on websites like Deadspin. Classic stuff.
1: Yeah, my first reaction was, this definitely looks fake, and the turban guy is the dead giveaway. I think that's probably the general reaction you're going to see. Kind of looks like he's playing a little pocket pinball there. Everybody else seems uninterested in Tiger Woods taking the shot. I, I don't know, maybe the guy with the cigar is... You know, he had more coffee that morning. He actually sees. Maybe he's that the a fortune f- teller. He could be you a swami. He's got. He's got the turban. He could be a swami. Although it's kind of a dirty turban, he might be a New York taxi cab driver. <laughs> um, sorry, I apologize to any New York City taxi cab drivers that we may have offended by the last comment.
0: Come on, they've heard much worse.
1: In rounding the week off on Tuesday. A.J. Burnett out of the New York Yankees rotation versus the Minnesota Twins. Matt.
0: Could this finally be the year that Minnesota pulls off a victory against the Yankees? Eh, I don't know. They're missing Justin Morneau too, so I don't I don't like their chances too much. I don't know that this changes a whole lot. Yeah, I, I, I really I just, just don't see it being, it being up a up big determining, determining factor, factor especially, especially since he's like, like 10, 10 and 15, 15 with a 5 ERA. Yard. And it's not like they're a team that can't put up runs. Yeah. If the pitching isn't 100% on on a given night.
1: And now to our to-the-point section. This is a section where we have an open format chat that will hit the main points in sports this past week and allow for some flexibility and opinion. So let's get started.
0: All right, Bob. So the MLB playoffs are kicking off tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening. Um, we're kicking off Division Series, Rays, Ray, Rays versus Rangers, Yankees-Twins, Reds-Phillies, and Braves and Giants. I'd say the way that these matchups have come together, I don't know that they could have more pafe- more perfectly matched these guys up to make the division series competitive.
2: Uh yeah, you know, I, I don't see any one team standing out above the others, maybe the Yankees, um which is unfortunate because Minnesota just doesn't have the offense it seems to be this year uh to put them over the top, but uh Atlanta and San Francisco you're going to have a, you know, a strong pitching team, a uh, strong pitching series. Uh, it's going to be who who's going to score more is actually definitely going to win that. Uh, Tampa Bay, Texas, you have the the definitely uh, underrated Tampa Bay staff going up against the uh, big guns down in Texas. So uh, hopefully they can t- contain them. I actually see them taking, taking the series over Texas just because it, it's the postseason. You know, you're going to have a lot of pitching that's going to win you the series.
0: Sure. And for the Rangers, that definitely means they're good to go on the Cliff Lee matchups. I think the Rays really have an advantage just about every other spot in the rotation. The the Phillies and the Reds, I think, is the one matchup to me that looks like, to me, it could end up in a blowout. Because the Reds this season have really not fared all that well against elite teams like Philly, like... Uh St Louis, which I mean you can't even call Saint Louis elite, but uh definitely a lot more talented than the other teams that the Reds were beaten up on this season uh I think the f I think the Phillies have a good chance to to sweep in this series or or win in five games at most but uh yeah, I think the Giants Braves should be a good matchup the Yankees and twins. Which the Twins finished, they finished right up there near the top uh, as far as the record goes. And uh, going up against the team that they just can never beat in the postseason, of course, in the Yankees, um, should be interesting. Kind of like the Angels versus the Red Sox a year or two ago. Maybe they'll finally get a chance to get that monkey off their back. But, you know, as I said before, I don't really see that happening.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you uh, on the on the Minnesota point.
0: Okay, so as the Major League Baseball playoffs are kicking off this week, so is NBA preseason basketball with, of course, the Miami Heat playing against the Detroit Pistons in the uh, most anticipated preseason game probably of all time. LeBron James all over the news this week because of some racial comments, quote-unquote, made to Soledad O'Brien on CNN, I believe saying that Race played a card in the reaction to his decision to join the Miami Heat. First of all, the statement, I think, got overblown, a little blown out of proportion. In this case, because he didn't say that
2: Race was the only reason. No, he just stated that it was. it's always a part of the equation. Always a part of the occasion. And to be fair, I,
0: I think if you were to look at the... Tweets that he got on Twitter and and the messages that were put towards him in public forums, it did bring out some r- racism, but it was just from people who were already making those kinds of comments. It just gave him
2: yeah, you're not going to change
0: ammunition, yeah,
1: and a platform to do it. Yeah.
0: Exactly, I think to state that the only reason that his Q rating dropped a million and a half points or whatever it did is because of racism would be a ridiculous overstatement. I don't necessarily have a problem with what he said here, but I think the media got a little carried away with it when, you know, PTI is talking about how, uh, you know, definitely racism played a fact in this, that, and the other. That's not what he said. That's not what we should read out of it. Let's, let's get the Al Sharpton mindsets out of our minds and let's move on. But uh, I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, Dan Levitard had a pretty good article about how this whole situation got blown out of proportion. Um, His good friend, Jason Whitlock. Okay. Jason Whitlock had a pretty good comment, kind of admonishing LeBron for going the whole race way with this. But... uh, Again, I think it was just a one question, no follow up, just a just a quick little statement. I think we can I think we can get off the LeBron bashing for this uh, for this issue.
2: Yeah, you know I I agree with you in that that the media tends to uh, overblow most things when it when it is actually in the the race. Well, spectrum, it's a per- Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's a perfect storm. They overblown race related things and they overblow Miami Heat related things. So when you put the two together, it's like the supernova of sports gaseousness
2: gaseousness
1: i like that's it.
0: yeah that's all all that's the only way i can put it
1: sports flatulence
2: yes yes yes,
0: yes. and espn has announced a new website dedicated strictly to miami heat related sports gaseousness
2: you know with all this publicity that the miami heat get um i am going to be uh less than impressed if they don't go 82 and i sweep each individual series uh including the nba finals and hoist up their first of seven straight NBA uh, trophies uh, you know I I think before we you know get too far um, in over our head with praising how good these guys are or how good they're gonna be we have to let the season play out um, it's kind of cool that you know there are people out there who who want this information that's fine you know not for me okay um, they're actually taking one of uh, Cleveland's Better um, sports reporters and Brian Winhorst uh, who I'll be sad to uh, leave, but you know I- I'm not gonna wish him any w- ill will. Uh, hopefully, you know he gets what he wants out of this, and um, you know I wish him the best for his career. You know the
0: thing about this that I think is kind of crazy. I don't know. I don't know how many people vividly remember the '72 and '10 Chicago Bulls season, but let's be honest. It wasn't interesting for eighty-two games.
2: No. It, that
0: storyline was not interesting for eighty-two games. It was interesting from time to time, but most of the time you just picked up the sport page and you say, Oh, Bulls won again. Big shocker. Mm. And you know, when it gets about halfway through the season, the the Miami Heat is gonna have, you know, thirty wins out of, you know, thirty-eight or whatever. Uh, I, I personally, I personally think they're a sixty-five to seventy-win team. I don't think they're going to break any records, at least not this season. But when when you get into the middle of the season, are people really going to care enough to justify having a designated website on ESPN.com just for the Miami Heat?
2: Probably not. You haven't seen it before in in NBA, let alone any of the other sports. Really, uh...
0: I think the closest thing that we could relate it to would be the New England Patriots a couple years ago, where going into the season, everybody knew New England was going to go undefeated. It didn't shock anybody. It was the greatest football team ever assembled, and they were pretty much printed their Super Bowl tickets before the first game was even played. And ESPN, who, by the way, is based directly in the heart of Patriots country, they never opened a website that was just for the Patriots.
2: Yeah, I I don't think this is going to get them the attention that they want to, you know, as initially people will be like, "Oh, hey, this is kind of cool," but it'll it'll definitely taper off as the season goes on because either A they'll keep going with this expectation or they'll completely bomb, you know, it, it something will happen uh where they're nowhere near where everyone thinks they're going to be. Is that going to, you know, the likelihood of that happening is probably slim at this point unless sure. one of the 3 get injured, but they still have two other people there.
1: I don't know. I kind of look at it. This is their sexy Web 2.0 we're going to hip thing because the heat index says not only basketball, but they're young guys. There's so many off-ed pieces that they could do on other stuff going on down in Miami, and obviously those guys in the middle just kind of stirs things up. ESPN, let's face it, I mean, look at some of the announcers and reporters. They're getting up there as far as they've been with ESPN for what? You know, ten years. I mean, some mm-hmm. of the big guys that have been around. So the the company is aging. I kinda look at this as, hey, we're trying to be hipper, we're trying to be web two we're trying to be social media centric and in on the hip young thing you know because that's an NBA basketball
2: but but how hip is that you know they already have a lot of their uh, analysts on Twitter on Facebook you know trying to give the full 24 hours seven days a week coverage and I I just think this is almost overkill
1: but Twitter right now is still kinda the nerdy thing to do you kinda give it a Miami tilt and it kinda makes it the suave sexy thing I don't know you could do the same things that you're doing but put it on well i mean even look at look at television they took tj hooker and put it on the beach and you got miami vice and it's just so much sexier and cooler i mean think about it it's, it's miami
0: <laughs> one thing i think is ironic is that the announcement that they're doing the heat index website came shortly after the announcement that they're an, they're doing espn w the espn for women website which leads me to believe that espn sees their women audience is only slightly more important than people who want to follow the heat
1: well they're just broadening their audience they've got women now and douchebags i
2: don't know i I can see espnw actually lasting longer than the heat index i I really do just just, i could too too. just because you know us as a culture with um you know them putting out the women's soccer league again Uh, he said said putting out. out Right. With the WNVA, you know, still going strong. You know, it hasn't folded. Strong is a relative term. term. Well, 12. for the circumstances. How, how many other baseball <laughs> so sports still, have it folded? It still
0: exists, and at this market, that's, that's impressive, impressive enough. It, it is.
2: <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of college coverage, um, college softball, college volleyball, that it, it'll definitely go that route. Um, it also gives them the possibility if ESPN somehow gets some sort of Olympic um, contract, they'll put stuff on ESPNW along with ESPNU and ESPN3 and ESPN Online and all their other lovely flagships.
0: As long as they don't start producing terrible made-for-TV movies like Lifetime does, I'm okay with it. When they start, when they start doing those, I'm out. I'm, I'm done. I'm going well, well, well,
2: like to... They could do that. ESPN the movie channel. Hoosiers, Field of Dreams. It, it can be done.
0: It can be and be good, but not with made-for-TV movies. <laughs> oh, this is like the 30 for 30 channel.
1: That's all right, though. We're not the, we're not their target market for ESPNW. That's so, true. So we don't have to worry about whether or not it attracts to us. I actually look at this as a good thing. I mean, anytime you're reaching out, I think that there are some uh, grossly undercovered women's sports and some great things that are going on um, in a lot of different uh, both amateur and professional women's sports that we don't see. So I think this is a good thing.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. I think it's a good thing. I just uh, I just, I think, just it's think it's ironic. ironic that I'm not going to watch think...
1: it, but, <laughs> but it's, a, it's a good thing <laughs> for, women, for
0: women. Sure. sure. Hey, if, uh, if it can get my wife to watch sports, then it's a great thing. Uh, University of Nebraska making some waves this week. By selling game-worn jerseys, I believe, to raise money for their athletic department, um, or boosters, or something. Uh, They're raising money for something.
1: Some cause. That money is this this, of course. This of course happening happening the same 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 week week that that Georgia
0: Georgia wide receiver AJ Green comes comes back from from his suspension suspension that that he got got
2: for. Selling jerseys
0: selling jerseys, so once again we are confronted with the hypocrisy that is amateur sports in the NCAA
2: um, big difference here is a player you know selling his jersey for personal gain where the university is selling for personal gain well, wait wait what difference was that um, they're both <laughs> making the money uh, I, I I feel bad for AJ green. Just because of the fact that he did something so little as giving away a jersey, so someone could sell it, um, and I think he wrong. probably, I think he probably would have been okay if the person who bought it
0: hadn't been an agent.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: <laughs> because at that point in time, it's like money laundry. Well, yeah, the money was purchasing a car wash, but you know that's not where the money came from. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing when a when a. The agent buys a jersey. The money ends up in the player's hand. That's the problem. It doesn't matter if a jersey changed hands or not. The fact that money went from an agent's hands into a player's hands through an indirect means is the problem here. Which, of course, brings up the age old question um, that this offseason has been run through the muck and back. Should we play or should we pay college football players?
2: and i say no they're getting paid already they are getting a full paid scholarship which includes uh board meals you know they they have everything given to them on a silver platter almost in in that sense
0: the retort that you're always going to hear from that is when you have a program that pays or that that brings in let's just use let's just use ohio state as an example because i happen to know some of their financials they pay their coach some three and a half million a year. And if they were to take and give his salary split amongst all the scholarship athletes, it would be
2: $55,000 a piece. A piece. But you're running into a problem of how, why, why is my 85th person on scholarship getting the same as my Heisman Hope? Sure. And, and so but- there's no easy way to. to Hey, don't get me wrong,
0: I'm not I'm not the one who wants to pay the kids. I I, I, I think even the statement that you made where they're getting paid with a scholarship is even not even covering the full scope of what they're getting paid for. These kids get food allowances that are uh, as much as often to $40 a day for food. They're getting uh, housing allowances if they don't live on campus, 500 bucks a pop.
2: Or even up to $1,000. Even up to 1000 thousand, depending on where for. you are.
0: So let's say, for example, two guys from the football team who get a $500 you know, allowance on a month go to live in one apartment together, then all of a sudden they're paying 750, they got 250 in their pocket. Plus, the difference between they spent $20 a day and they got $41 a day for food, so you're talking about, you know, $600 in just extra cash per person. You're not talking about kids that you're not talking about kids that don't have any money. Yeah. This, whole, this whole this whole I'm a starving athlete thing has got to go away. There was a kid from Alabama, I believe, who was ordered to pay back the money that was deemed the value of a trip that he took down to Florida to have a party that agents were at. And the NCAA said, look, you have to pay this money back. We'll let you make payments. You can pay over time, but you have to pay this back, and you have to make a promise to pay it back. Otherwise, we're not going to let you play. He says, fine, I'll pay him back, and he hands
2: him the money. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This kid's broke?
2: broke? Yeah, Yeah. you know. I think it was like $4,000. I wish I had $4,000 in my pocket to give someone. I mean you got college kids
0: selling plasma to to go to the grocery store and buy macaroni and cheese and ramen noodles and then these these athletes have $600 allowances for a month from the school just because of what they've saved from money they've been given for other things the whole the whole starving athlete premise just needs to go away
2: from something that we don't see because we never went there we were never athletes these huge organizations are making money off of these kids and and I, I can possibly see why they want this. You know, how many of them are actually going to be drafted into the NFL? If they are drafted into the NFL, how many of them are going to succeed in the NFL and get that big paycheck? So I'm not, I'm against it, but I can kind of see their side of, you know, try to get their money while they can because it's not a, a long career in the NFL. Um, so,
0: well, you know, you start paying the kids, and the other thing you run into is how many college football programs in
2: America are significantly profitable. I think it was 8 to 12. I, I think out of out of the 120 uh, yeah. FBS teams, right. Right. there's, there's not, not that many. There's, there's
0: not that many. So what? The ones who make money off their football team play their players, but the ones who don't, don't? Is that how I'm supposed to work the system? Yeah. There, because all that does is make the strong get stronger and the weak get weaker because who's going to go to Michigan State when they can go to Michigan and get money? Because they have a profitable football program.
1: Well, I think that there's some other incentives besides money. Um, One is being in the spotlight. I think you got to look at the whole picture, and I think the same teams that are the profitable teams are probably the teams that are going to get national airtime on television. They're going to get – the players are going to get their image, their play in front of uh, NFL recruiters. So, I mean, they are getting paid – whether or not it's through a paycheck, I mean, they're getting the stipends to live on stuff like you're talking about, but they're getting paid by getting themselves out there. I mean, most of this business, there's a lot of parity, in my opinion, in, from one player to another. And I think a big piece that we don't often think about is how the players are marketed to NFL agents.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of that comes from just being at a big school. And some of these are the same schools that are profitable schools. So I'm looking at it like you're already getting paid. You know, you're sure, sure. you're getting on TV. You're getting your moment in the sun, and you could choose to
2: blow it or, you know, look good. And and this doesn't even you know. Yeah, you can go the route of the big school, but nowadays there there are so many agents. There's so many scouts in, in the uh, whole NFL that even if you're going to juco in abilene texas you're if you're good enough if you're making the waves you're gonna have people there so it sure. it boils down to how good you are how good you know yeah. doing it for yourself sure it goes it goes along
0: with uh you know a little kid from rosebud texas playing at tcu ends up being one of the greatest running backs in the nfl and of course he did it at a small high school he did it at a small, relatively small college. You can't call TCU a small school, but he ends up going five overall in the draft. It's not like these scouts aren't seeing these guys. And, of course, the player I'm talking about is Ladanian Tomlinson. um, Went on to be one of the top rushing running backs in the NFL and also still going strong at the age of Thirty-two, which is pretty much unheard of for running backs, yeah,
2: especially in the NFL, especially since he's been a featured back for the past six to eight years. Oh, oh
0: the carries he's the carries he's taken have been a, a yeah. Whole, I, I don't uh, I don't know how he's
2: walking, let alone you know carrying the football at, at this point. Uh, I think it's actually a, a good attes- attestment testament to the offensive line on the New York Jets because not only do they have him, you know, going for a six point one average, they also have Sean Green who's going for a 4.3 average. They are the number two rushing offense, you know, averaging 167.8 yards per game.
0: Interesting stat. Through four weeks of the NFL, Chris Johnson, who was the unanimous overall number one pick in fantasy leagues across the country.
1: Um, he got some crunk teeth.
0: Number, number six in rushing yards on the season. Number seven, is LaDainian Tomlinson. The big difference here, Chris Johnson, 94 carries. LaDainian Tomlinson, 56. So just over half the carries, and he's only behind by 13 yards. Uh, I have to say, I, I've had the first pick in a fantasy league twice in my life. Um, the first time Ladanian Tomlinson was the popular number one overall pick, and he ended up being quite disappointing that year. And, of course, this year when I got Chris Johnson, if I'd have just taken Ladanian Tomlinson... I think I might be uh sitting a little bit better okay not really but
2: you know it, you picked
1: up Ludanian Tomlinson in the draft
0: oh I know but I got him in like the ninth round and I didn't feel like I had to start him this week because I'm an idiot
2: wow it happens matchups match-up, matchups matchups yeah, um it's so tough to bet peg running backs this year um